This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3535 for Friday the 18th of February 2022. Today's show is entitled, Template Haskell. It is hosted by 2Qtoroto, and is about 47 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, Tototo talks how she's using Template Haskell to cut down amount of code she writes. Hello and welcome. This is Tua Turto and you are listening to the Hacker Public Radio. Today's episode is about how I'm using template Haskell to hide some boilerplate code. Uh, this episode will be quite code heavy and it, it will be hard to follow without show notes. So if you have a chance, please have the show notes at hand. I'll try my best to explain the code, code via speaking, but it will be easy if you can also follow via text. So, uh, boilerplate. So, uh, I'm using a new type to create a lot of uh, new, well, as the name says, new types in my code. And the idea is that instead of passing around, for example, text or integer, I give them a better name to tell them apart. So, I have a planet name and star system name and uh, item amount and such things as a types. So if I have a function where I pass in person's first name and last name, it is immediately obvious when you are reading the code which one is which. Which one is which. If they were both text, then you would have to keep track which variable is, is which, but if they are of different types, then the compiler does that for you. And like I said, I'm using a new type for that. And uh, I'll be using a planet name as an example throughout the episode. And the new types are, just a really quick recap, new types are really uh, a way to define a type that is checked during the compile time, but that is optimized away during the runtime. So there's no any performance uh, count on this one. And it's a three-liner to uh, define one. There's a, for example, in case of the planet name, there's a new type planet name equals mco planet name uh, curly brackets unplanet name text deriving show read eq. And this uh, defines a new type called planet name that's the type constructor. That is what you what you use when you have to tell a type. Like when you have to tell a, that, for example, this value here is of type planet name, or this function here accepts parameter of type planet name. It has a data constructor, mk planet name. That one is used when we need to create a value of that type, like this. This has a value of Earth. You say that MK, MK planet name Earth, or call this function with value Earth. And I'm using MK as a prefix to avoid naming conflict with the database columns, because if I have the data constructor planet name, and then I have a database table called 
planet and it has a column name, then that column has a data constructor also called planet name, and then there will, there will be a naming conflict because you have two planet names, so you have to keep telling that this planet name comes from here and that comes from there, and it gets bit tedious, so I'm just using mk as a prefix for all of my data constructors for the new types. And then it has a underscore unplanet name. That's a name of the field, because our new type wraps a field. So underscore is prefix because of I'm using a lens library, and Prefixing things with underscore lets me to create lenses automatically. I will talk about those maybe at some later point. They are, they are really fascinating topic, but they are very broad, and there's actually a whole book written about that. So not going to try to squeeze it in now. And the unprefix comes because we are kind of unwrapping the value. And then the last piece, the double colon text, means that that unplanet name is of type text. And then the last line deriving show read eq means that we are deri automatically deriving some instances. So let's me to uh, turn our planet name into the plain text and read allows us to read that text back and uh, construct a planet name out of that. That's handy when you are doing inter interactive development, but um, usually usually that's not that often used. And EQ gives us our access to equality and not equality. If this if this was a index, then I would also have the ORD and NUM instances here. They let you uh, do all the things which one is greater than which one, and NAM gives you a basic numeric operations like plus, minus, taking the absolute value and such. Okay, so that's, that's the recap on the new types. So basically, yeah, just creating a new type and giving it a name so we can keep track of things easier in the code. And I, I create those basically whenever I have something called name. I'm usually creating a new type for that. I'm not using text. And quite often if I have int values, I'm creating a new type for those two. Like if there's a amount of some items or level of something or count of something or such things. And then uh, for the purposes of my program, there's a one, two, three, four, five things that I have to create instances to. There's a is string to JSON, from JSON, persist field, and persist field SQL. And these are these are the ones that I end up writing all the time. And these are the, the thing that prompt me to look into the template Haskell. Is string lets me to use string literals in the code, so I don't have to use MK planet name Earth in the code. If I just want to create a name Earth, I can just put the quotation marks Earth. And the Haskell compiler understands from the context that here we are trying to create a planet name without a data constructor, so it does that behind the scenes. 
to JSON and from JSON is for turning our planet name into the JSON and back. Basically, it just creates a JSON string that is transferable between server and client. Persist field is uh, for storing and retrieving our our planet name into the database and back from there. And persist field SQL tells the persistent that's the that's the uh, database library that I'm using. It tells what kind what type of field should be created in the database for storing this value. Okay, so that's that's like I I need to write quite a lot of code to do that all, and it gets repetitive because it's the same, almost same all the time. And there, there's a there's a example of this implementation. Like if I were to write all this by hand, that that is in the show notes if you want to have a look. It's a I think 15 lines or so. Okay, so template Haskell. So uh, template Haskell is a way to generate code via program. So you you can have a Haskell function that is executed during a compile time. It emits some code that is inserted into the source file, and then the source source file is compiled. So it it, it is bit like list macros, for example. And at the very, very uh, easiest, uh, lowest level or simplest level, you are not. You can just have a basically copy paste this content as it is to the source source file type of template. But with a little bit more advanced or complicated, you can in you can pass parameters to your template function to guide how your how uh, how the code should be generated you can actually even pass code into that template and then the template can introspect that code and that generate uh code that somehow it, in the compile time it seems that it is modifying the past in code so you could add, add some Error handling, for example, in your code. <laughs> so, how you call this is basically you can have a our, our function is called make domain type, and it takes two parameters. So to call it, I'll just write dollar open parent make domain type planet name as a string and tick two ticks text close parent. So we are calling the make domain type function with a Two parameters. One is string planet name, and another one is name text. That's a name of a type called text. And I'm going to introspect that past in name a little bit to see what if I if I need to generate the uh, domain type for the int or for the text because there's a, uh, this function handles both cases. And they need to generate a slightly different code. So uh, let's start going through the code example. There's a first function, make domain type, takes a string and name, 
as a parameters and return returns school list of tech. So this tech is the our uh, uh, created code, the code that this function uh, generates. I, I tried to find out where the, where that abbreviation or shortening comes from. Couldn't find anything, so I'm telling myself that it's a shortening of description. It's a description of code. It probably is a wrong idea, but that's the best I could find or come up come up come up with actually. And uh, Q is the monad that we are use that the template Haskell uses. It does a lot of things that I'm not completely sure actually. But one of the things that it does, it, it keeps track of function names uh, or, and variable names. Actually, I think it only keeps track of symbol names. But anyway, you can ask it to create unique identifiers for yourself, for you, and it will create you always unique ones. Because even if, if you ask the same, same kind of symbol or identifier twice, it can it keeps track of what has been created and can give you a new one that doesn't conflict with the previous one. <clears throat> okay, so uh, we start by calling Rafi function to the that type uh, name that was passed in, and Rafi is a uh, something. So it's a function that does the introspection. It looks up what the what that name is what it stands for, and creates you a, a, a variable or description of what what we what you have. So in, in our case, when we pass in a text, it will find that okay, this text is a type constructor, and creates a respective data structure. It, it can create you a information about functions and whatnot. And then we are going to do a, a pattern match because there's a lot of different cases. So, and here, here you can see what, what's a, a bit annoying thing about type Haskell because there's a lot of different kinds of code elements in the Haskell and they are re represented as a data structures in the template Haskell. There's going to be a lot of abbreviation. So here we are doing the pattern match that case TQ of. And then there's this icon I and parents. So that's a type constructor that we are pattern matching. And then there's a data D, bunch of underscores and D name. So uh, these are for because there's a lot of different kinds of data constructors even. So here we are just making a pattern match to the simple type of data con data constructor, uh, sorry, type constructor that does not have any parameters. And then we call the select domain domain type for that. So if, we, if the past in name was a simple type constructor, that doesn't have any uh, type parameters or isn't any higher kind of time type or anything, then we are ca calling select domain type and let that to do the 
code generation for us. Otherwise, we are going to use report error to tell that only simple types are supported. So if, if somebody were to call our make domain type and pass in, for example, a, a function name, then it would, during the compile time, it would signal, uh, it would signal you a line where this error happened and it would signal you that text only simple types are supported. You could even report even more detailed error, but because this is, I wrote this mainly for myself, the function, I just, I'm happy that it just says that only simple types are supported. I, I, that should be enough for me to remember what is going on. If I were working a, a little bigger team, then of course it would make sense to make a more detailed error report. Okay, select domain type. That's a function that takes a string name and returns our constructed data, uh, code, sorry. And we are using a card quad clause here. So if the F type, that's the type, int or text, if it's a text, then we call make text domain type, type and pass in the name of, of the type we want to create. That is a planet name in our example. If it's an int, then we call make int domain type, type and give that a passed in domain type name. Otherwise, we are again report an error that it's an unsupported type. This is because somebody could call our function and say that I want to create a domain type for double. And that will pass the first check on the previous function, and it will be caught in this check. I didn't. I, I looked a little bit. I did, thought a little bit about how I would handle doubles, but there's the there's the trouble that the double. While int is relatively easy because it's a there's a only zero, one, two, three, four and so on, and negative numbers, so it's easy to represent on the database. But when you use double, then you have to start thinking what's the, what precision you want to use on the database. And I didn't want to make those decisions ahead of time. So if, if I have a one double uh, new type in my code that is saved in the database, so I figured that I can just leave it as it is, not use the this make domain type function to create that, and just write all those instances by hand because I have to decide the precision in the database, for example. But anyway, here we just see which one which one we are using, and because we are using a because we are making a planet name that is a type of text or will be type of text, we are going to the make text domain type function. Okay, and that takes a string as a parameter and returns a description again, and actually list of descriptions. And here we have several functions that we are calling one, one by one to create, first one creates a, the new type definition and then the following ones create instances to uh, 
declarations of instances for that new type. I could have generated everything in one one big function, but then it would have been a big function, and it would have been quite unwieldy to handle in the long run. So I broke it into logical pieces. So one creates a new type, and other ones create instance definitions one by one. And then we just, in the end, take all those definitions, concatenate them together, their lists, so we end up one big list of code and return that, and that gets spliced into the source code in the compile time. And some of those functions are general, like the new type definition. It's a almost identi identical between the int and text. So there I'm passing an extra parameter to tell that I'm, I want a text uh, new type. And some of those, like make is string string instance is specific to the text. There's no point of making a, a is string instance for the int. So that that can that that doesn't need an extra parameter. And the make new type definition. This is the function that starts generating a code for us. And this is there's two ways of creating a code or generating code in the template Haskell. One is creating AST by hand, like abstract syntax tree by hand, and another one is using quotations. And I like using quotations a lot more because it, there you don't have to write that much of code. You basically write your code that you want to generate as as it is, and then you can splice in variables or variable parts there. But with the abstract syntax tree, you have to actually create the syntax tree by hand, and it gets tedious. But I, for some reason, I couldn't get the new type de definition working with the quotation, so I have to use the AST method here. And, well, now you, now you get to see the both ways of doing that. So here we are returning a list of descriptions. And the first one is a new type D. That's a data constructor that creates a new type. And it takes a bunch of parameters. So first one is in the documentation referred as a CXD. It's related to the constraint kind, but that's a feature of the Haskell that I'm not familiar with. So, and I figured out because I'm not familiar with that, I can just give in a empty list there. I'm not using constraint kinds, so I'm using a giving an empty list there. So open bracket, close bracket. Next is a name of the new type we are generating. This is a, and this has to be a correct type. So I'm using mk name to turn our string into the name. Then the then is a, a list of type variable bindings that we are not using, so empty list again. Then there's a maybe kind that I'm not again quite sure what it does, so I'm passing nothing there. We are not using kinds there. This is the 
like very very reassuring when you're generating code and you are going like I don't know what this is, I don't know what that is, so I'll just pass in. I'm not using that. But such is life. I tried to look into some of those things but it started looking like I would have to do quite a bit of reading to learn those and decided that I can do that at some other point. Okay, and then there's the after the kind. Yeah, then there's the con. That's a data constructor. We are, we'll cover that just in a moment because that, that's the meat of this thing. That's the line that starts with rec. And the last one is derive clause. That's a list that of where you can uh, automatically derive some instances like show, read, and eq in our case. Our case. And we are uh, u- using a function called derive clause for a new type. Uh, sorry. Yeah, we are using the derive clause for new type function for deriving that. I'll cover that in a little bit later. It's a handy little thing I wrote. But then the data constructor rec. So all all this up to this point was uh, these were parameters for the new type D data constructor that creates a new type. And this uh, rec is a another data constructor that creates a record type because new type has a record type inside of it. It's a, it's a tree after all. So uh, it tells that it has a, a data constructor and it has a field, like it's a record, but it has only one in our case. So rec and mk name is the first, for the, for the rec, the first parameter is the name of our data constructor, and we are using mk name function to create a name, and we are taking that planet name as a string and appending mk in front of that. So this is where we this is what creates mk planet name data constructor for our new type. This this, this function call, and the next line is is a list of fields the record, record holds. And because we are using a new type, we only have one one field there. And the first one is a first parameter. Uh, it's a tuple. And the first element in the tuple is the name of the field. We are using mk name again, and we are appending underscore un into our planet name string. So we, this is where we got the underscore, underscore Un planet name as a name of our field in the in the uh, record, and Tang uh, controls two things. It controls the source untactedness. That I don't know what it does. I tried to look into that. Couldn't really figure it out. And then the source strictness that controls when the value should be evaluated or computed. Should it computed immediately or only when asked? Default is only when asked. 
that's how Haskell is working. But sometimes you have to instruct Haskell that don't 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 delay computing of this value until it is needed, but compute it immediately. Because uh, while while you cannot uh, get stack overflows in Haskell, you can run out of memory quite easily. Well, not quite easily, but sometimes you can run out of memory or you can get a space leak failure. Very simple looking program consumes tons and tons and tons of memory. And that is related to the evaluation of the Haskell program, how, how it is computed, when the values are computed. And one way of controlling that is controlling when, when the value should be evaluated with this source strictness. But we we are we are just no source using the no source source strictness, so using the defaults here. And the last one is a type of the of the field in the record. So cont t is a constructor a, a data constructor for the a type constructor. That that sounds confusing, but we are we are cre creating code that says that this is this type constructor is f type that is the value that was passed in so in our our case it's a text so that's a quite lot of to write and keep track of and it's quite a lot of when you are getting started to look into like trying to find all these rexy conti tang new type t all these constructors it's it's quite tricky to do. I I didn't I didn't enjoy writing that that piece of code that much. So there's a type of template Haskell documentation page that I had I had open all the time while I was doing that and going back and forth and trying tracking what needs to be where. And because when you are writing anything bigger, remember this this. Piece of code creates three lines of Haskell code that actually could be just a one liner, but it's a lot to keep track. And if you have a more complicated code, then you are going to get more and more nested uh, ASD, the abstract syntax tree. So, and it, it is hard to read afterwards. So, I mentioned that derive clause for new type function that we are using to create that derived clause. That, so that's a function that I wrote by myself. And that, again, just does uh, check what type we want to handle. Is it text or int? And then it just uh, returns a list of uh, type constructors in, our, in case of Text it returns show read and ego, and in case of int it returns show read ego or and num. And if somehow we had gotten this far with some other type, it will again report an error, like it's an unsupported type. It shouldn't happen, but it's a good good habit to write your functions in a way that they handle every possible case. So we report an error. And uh, how we do this is basically we have a list of strings 
and then we are using a function that we created by using function composition for the conti and mk name. So that conti.mk name can be read as a conti of mk name. So we are taking two functions and plugging them together. And this creates a new function that when you give it a string, it uses mk name to turn that to string to the name and feeds that result immediately to conti that uses that name to create a type constructor. And then we use the uh, sm smaller than dollar greater than from, uh, that's a application. We are using that to call that this newly created function to each element in the list. So we use that function to we you we call that function to show and then to read and then to eq and return the all the created values in a list. So we get a type constructor show, type constructor read, and type constructor eq. And uh, okay, yeah. Then there's the make string instance. This is only for the uh, in case we are creating a text domain type. And here you can see the difference between the constructing the code with the abstract syntax tree or quoting, because here we are doing open bracket d pipe bunch of code pipe close bracket and this means this this is a quotation so the text inside of the quotations is not treated as a it, it's not treated as a code in a way that it's not executed when this function is called but it is treated as a text that is turned into the code and returned as an AST. So we can just write what we want to do, and Haskell, Haskell will take care of turning that into the AST. This is a lot easier, a lot nicer way of doing. And then there's a part that we need to worry. For example, we need to create a string, a string instance to a planet name, and we are passing in a planet name. So we are just using that dollar open parent conti dollar mk name name close parent. Here we are first calling mk name to that planet name string and turn that to a name planet name. And then we are using conti to turn that name into a, a type constructor. So then when this part is done, this, this line reads instance is string planet name where. So that we are executing a tiny piece of code and splicing the uh, result into the quotation. This is, this is how Lisp does things. This is very, very similar how Lisp does things, if you are familiar with the Lisp. And then on the next line, there's the from string function Again, we are splicing more code there. And here, there's this con e mk name, mk++ name. 
what what is that? It takes the it takes the planet name string and prepends that with mk, so we get mk planet name. Turns that turns that string into a name and turns that to the uh, expression. So uh, we are calling a, a function, a type a data constructor, mk planet name, and then there's the dot from string part in the end. So that's the function composition. So what we are doing is first we are calling from string, and what what that returns are fed to the mk planet name data constructor. <coughs> Uh, sorry, and this is this is what is used to turn uh, string literals into the into the planet name types. And this is a like I said, this is a lot lot nicer, a lot easier way of doing things. Not so much of coding, and you can a lot easier follow what is what is being done. And in the same way, we are dealing with the uh, there's, there's the make to JSON instance and make from JSON instance for text. They are working in the working in the pretty much in the same way as the make is string instance function. The generated code is a slightly different, but the I mean it's completely different, but the idea behind is the same. So we have we have a quote that has the code, and then we have the then we are splicing in the variable parts, the parts that we need to vary. vary. Okay, uh, persist field instance. So we have a function make persist field instance for text because there's a two implementations. There's one for the text and one for the int. They are slightly different. And this instance has three functions. So if I were to generate that with the AST approach, it would be a, quite a handful of code. And while the, here the idea is the, how you generate the code is the same, but here, here the generated code is somewhat more complicated. So for example, there's this line const path equals con p const name, open bracket var p mk name, S close bracket. So uh, this creates a pattern that we use for pattern matching. So and that const pat value is used in the to persist value function. So when to persist value is called with a pattern that is mk planet name S, we handle it. The S now contains the text that is we want that the system wants to persist, and that's the uh, how the persistent takes care of. It's the persist library's task to deal with that now. But when when the to persist is called with that MK planet name S, we just take the planet name new type apart so that we can have the access to the to the underlying text value that is stored in the S. That that's why we are using the pattern matching here. And from persist value this is even more interesting case. 
here, here we are constructing a pattern p-text, but this time it's a, it's a persist text s. So there's a <coughs> then this from persist value is called with a value that is persist text s. So we are um, the uh, system has loaded a value from the database that is persist text. So it's a text text uh, column in the database and calls this. Then we are constructing a uh, our planet name and passing that s as a parameter and return, returning that as a write value. The, the from persist value function returns either. So it can be write when the everything worked well, fine. It's this, this case. So write mk planet name s. But then there's the second line from persist value underscore. This is a pattern match that matches to everything that has not been matched so far. So if we call the from persist value with a persist text, then the first function takes takes care of that. But if we call it, with, for example, persist uh, blob, so somebody has loaded a binary blob from the database and tries to turn it into the planet name, we return left, fail to deserialize. So we are signaling an error that this, we cannot deserialize this value. And then it's the persist libraries, persistent libraries task to handle that error. So it probably just raises an, raises an error somewhere and says that there's a problem and we, we, cannot, we cannot turn this binary blob into the planet name. Because, because when we are when we are saving the data in the database, we have a we have a complete control of what type we have at hand. But when we are loading the data from the database, we don't we don't have full guarantee that we are actually that somebody hasn't edited the database by hand and changed the column definition, for example, or if there has been a bug and the column definition doesn't match what the code says it, it should be. That's why, we are, that's why we have to be paranoid and tell what's going on. And the make persist field SQL instance function that creates the instance for the, sorry, persist field SQL. And that is a, a, that is a, fun, a instance that tells to the, our database library what should be the type of the packing field in the database. So here we are just saying that we are using the select packing SQL type function that I wrote to select depending on the type that we are creating. If it's a text, then we are creating SQL string data constructor. And if it's int, then we are creating SQL int 64 uh, data constructor. This, this, this will indicate to the, our library what is the type of the packing field. And when the, it, the persistent is actually really, really nice when you, when you start the program and you don't have the database at all. It will 
automatically create that for you and it it you it will use this information to create your correct type uh database column types. Okay, so that's a a lot of lot of code reading code allowed and especially the part that makes the new type definition is a bit of a pain to work with even even when you know what it is supposed to do. If if you come into the code and you have no idea what's going on here, it probably is kind of kind of puzzle to figure out. So that's that's the that's the that's the thing like with this system I can with a one line create a new new type and associated instances and that will cut a amount of code that I have to write and maintain down quite a bit. Imagine that I have made a mistake somewhere and I have a bug. There's only one place I need to fix it and it, it is automatically propagated everywhere where this is used. The drawside is, of course, that if I have a bug, then that's propagated everywhere where this is used. But at least then it's hopefully easier to find. And you can have a higher abstraction level. You don't have to talk talk about uh, new types and how it's saved into database and how it's turned into the string and whatnot. But you can just say that, okay, I have a domain type here and we know that this can be saved into the database. So no need to worry about the details. And so it's really nice when it's working. And when it's not working, then you have to start debugging and that's a that's a uh, annoying thing to do uh one one thing is that uh if it generates incorrect code then then the it might be a tr bit tricky to find out what's going on here uh, because you you cannot see it you don't normally see the generated code but the uh compiler has a flag ddump splices and ddump to file that uh, lets you it, it, it instructs the compiler to generate temporary files where it shows that in this file the following template Haskell function was run and this was the result and that is that is useful when you are trying to debug the problems with the generated code so ddump splices and ddump to file. And okay, I guess that's it. It's a long enough episode already anyway. So if you have any, any questions, comments or feedback, you can catch me by email or Fediverse where I'm tutor.tech.lgpt or even better, record your own episode and let us know what you like or hate about template Haskell or if you are or if you are using a list, you could talk about how list macros are done because they are a bit similar, but they are a bit different. And I, personally, I think list, list macros are much nicer to work with, but that might be because I've been working with those quite a bit more than with the template Haskell. This is the first, first ever template Haskell I ever wrote. So I probably should have said this in the beginning, but a word of warning, if you are trying to figure out how template Haskell works and what are, what are the good ideas and good patterns, 
this episode might not be the most trustworthy source of that information because this is the first template Haskell code I have ever ever written, so there might be something funny going on here. But it should give you an idea what you can do with the template Haskell, if not nothing else. Okay, that's it. Ad Astra. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR is kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.